Welcome to Life Distilled. Here we explore the world of craft spirits and introduce you to the people and products that are making this world a better place, one small batch at a time. It is Zen and the art of micro distillation, your window into craft culture and your connection to the makers, creators, achievers, and thought leaders who are charting a path forward, cocktail in hand. This is Life Distilled. Welcome to another episode of Life Distilled with Mike Shiner. Awesome. I'm Brian, and I'm here with Timo and Ashby here in Sebastopol, Sonoma County, California. Welcome. I, uh, thank you. Thanks, guys. We're excited Thanks. to have you guys here. No, cool. Yeah, I've been here before, back when Mike Shiner was a magazine, came here and did some, took some stills, did some stuff here, wrote a little piece, but I want to know more about your guys' story why you started it, why are you here in Sebastopol, everything. Sure. Fair enough. <laughs> um, we ask ourselves that every day, yes. just putting it out there. We there's, reached, there's like two stories, the why Sebastopol and why. Why America in the first place. Why America, why the distillery. <laughs> uh, we met working on ships. We uh, worked on uh, different types of vessels, icebreakers and commercial vessels. Uh, doing environmental research. That's how we met. We were both deckhands on ships. And uh, when we decided to uh, settle somewhere, when we got married, we picked San Francisco for no apparent reason other than it's a very cool town. Uh, it could have been anywhere in the world, really, but we picked San Francisco. And then once we'd been living there for a few years, we uh, wanted to move a bit further out of town. And uh, we were always in love with this area. You say Sonoma County, but we, it's West County to us, really. Right, right. It's, it's a different feel out mm -hmm. on this side of Sonoma County. And um, we love it out here. It's just, uh, it's uh, really nice. So, And years ago, when we were living in San Francisco, we seemed to have a variety of people who would come up to us and friends of ours would be like, you know where you would really love Sebastopol? Yeah. And we were like, yeah, why? it was bizarre. Continuously, actually. we've had like random people tell us that we should be in Sebastopol way before we ever found it. So um, we knew we were going to move out here and we were looking for property out here and we wanted to make the land work for us as well. And so back in the day, we had a pretty healthy obsession with gin. And so we were, we were thinking that what we could do was maybe... Uh, grow botanicals for gin and create our own brand of gin, hook up with a local distillery mm -hmm. and uh, create our own brand of gin. And uh, that was that was plan A. Mm -hmm. um, the more we looked into it, the more we got interested and fascinated on the distillation side of things. So we started hanging out at other distilleries and did as many courses as we can, which at the time were very, very limited around the country. Learned as much as we could and then uh, decided actually to make a bigger deal of the distilling side rather than the farming side. So you set off just to make a gin. Yeah, that's right. And then right. you're like, why not ferment and do it all and have a whole line of spirits? Well, as we got interested in distilling, the actually the most of the information out there was how to make whiskey. Right. Okay, yeah, right, exactly. That's welcome. So, in fact, the first product I ever learned ever did on a still was a wheat whiskey. Oh. And so that we that we made on a still. And so yeah, so we knew that when we built our distillery, we wanted to make a very true classic awesome gin. 
Uh, that's what we set out to do. But we also knew that we were going to be making other things along the way, like whiskey. And eventually, we were going to maybe start playing with fruit as well and doing some brandies. But we also, as we learned how to distill, we learned how to do that from grain right. to so, glass. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, let's go. What and is so, your whole lineup? What is your guys' portfolio? So, I mean, Sure. So, gin. we, from grain to glass, we make our own vodka here, which is also the base for our gin okay. and the base for our slow gin. Okay. And then we make barrel-aged gin and a wheat whiskey and a rye whiskey. Okay. Uh-huh. Those are, and then we also do a very special um, barrel reserve slow gin. So a slow okay. gin that's been very rested cool. in a barrel for Excellent. a while. Now let's explain to the viewers what slow gin is. Most people think a slow gin is like one of those liqueurs that, you know, grand, the grandmother has in her Yeah, her yeah. We, it's I mean, we do, we do it's say it's fun. not the stuff you had in high school. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, our, the, I mean, the basics of uh, traditional slow gin is that there's this fruit that's called the slowberry, S-L-O-E, um, and it comes off the blackthorn bush, which in Europe, traditionally, slow gin is drunk much more often in Europe, and they grow them like these bushes, um, like fences or hedgerows around farms. And so once a year, you get this little red fruit, which is a tiny relative of the plum. But on its own, it's pretty tart and astringent, and they wanted to do something with it, so they decided to add it to some gin that was around, add a little sugar, and then a year later went back and decanted it and discovered that they had created this amazing liqueur called slow gin. And so this traditionally is drunk in the UK like a port at the end of dinner and was something um, with the gin that we wanted to make. The slow gin was also a passion that we wanted to bring a traditionally made slow gin to the US market. Here, anything that you'll find outside of ours is a concentrated or syrup sort of version of it. So it's it's hard to find slow berries in the US. In fact, they don't really exist here. So that was the first major hurdle. And I think that's probably the reason why uh, traditional slow gin doesn't exist in that way uh, in the US. So we have to import the berries from Europe, from okay. Bulgaria. Oh, wow. Yeah. It takes between a pound and two pounds of berries to make a bottle of slow gin. Oh, so, wow. Okay, so uh, a lot of importing. As Ashby was saying, it's a, it's a relative of the plum, so it's a stone fruit. Okay. And they're little. They look like blueberries. Oh, okay. Here. Yeah, if you imagine that. Uh, I mean, so when you get the fruit, a lot of it is stone. You okay. Know, and you're trying to get as much of the flavor and color Right. Out of it as you can. So, so it has big so pits. There's not much then, there. Right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Very cool. And you got to treat those pits gently as well. Right. They uh, they can impart like a, like an almond flavor into the slow gin. Yeah, like which actually yeah. in Europe is a sought after. People try and find that in their slow gin to such an extent that when they're making slow gin, you you can add all sorts of different spices and things to your slow gin as well, botanicals. But in Europe, they'll add blanched almonds. To their, oh, wow. okay. to their slow gin to get that flavor as well. So it's not that people don't want it, but it's, it comes mainly from the pits. We're very gentle in our production okay. lineup with the slows. We try and treat them very gently cool. in the process. That's very cool. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, uh, I've had your slow gin. It's fantastic. Thank you. It is. It's really good. Yeah, we really wanted to feature the berry itself because it is tart. Right. And that tartness is something you don't often find in the cures, which are always sweet. Right. So it was really nice to work with a fruit that starts on its own tart as opposed to sweet. Mm-hmm. So it was a really good combination as a way to bring in these two flavors together. 
And slow gin, a lot of people don't know, it's actually its own definition in the TTB, in the actual oh, defi wow. definitions of standards. So there's all, you can have any liqueur out of any fruit, but yeah. then slow gin itself is a very specific um, standard of identity. Right, okay. So it's not, um, it's interesting because people will come in and say, why is this gin red? Mm -hmm. And actually, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not necessarily a gin, it's actually a liqueur. Mm -hmm. uh, that's made with gin, if you yeah. see what I mean. That's, the, that's okay. the difference. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, like I said, I've had this before. Yeah, it's, it's delicious. Super. I love so this. in the US, we make it a little, I mean, so the style that we make is very British style, but we make it way less sweet than you would find in England. Mm -hmm. Because in England, we drink it neat like this after dinner, but here in the US, it's I can used, see that, like a port. Like, yeah. yeah, like a digestif kind of thing. It's really, if you're having, if it's like a, proper Sunday roast like right. dinner type thing it's really hard to put the bottle down it just keeps going right right <laughs> you end up sitting there for hours on end putting the world to rights so it's um but the cool thing we found with slow gin in the U.S. is that people are using it in a variety of really creative cocktails mm -hmm. and one of the easiest things to do is uh, uh using it as a replacement for sweet vermouth so oh, okay. like in a Negroni or Manhattan yeah it's I incredible see that. I yeah see I am that. because it, it because it it is more to me it's got that dynamic of the the fruit balance with the the, the citrus is in there too no, because really you're, it is the base for our gin and other people really love to do instead of like a cure royale you could do a little slow royale right, right. yeah awesome. no no i've had that i had that at uh, zazu actually oh right yeah, the yeah they do some cocktails up there <laughs> yeah. um, no Good that's very cool that was when they moved their location to here they put that cocktail on their menu mm -hmm. and uh it's and now five years later or however long it's been right. it's the only one that's held through right okay the menu. Cool. so I mean, we come here you come to nice Barlow you hang out come taste some spirits go over there have some bacon and exactly. uh, some, <laughs> some cocktails yeah that's exactly right slow gin and bacon yeah. all in the same space <laughs> yeah. no it's not and so now bad. there's awesome cheese here yeah. and the wineries in between there's a cheese spot here now yeah yeah, there's a British style cheesemaker oh, in cool. the Barlow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There's oh, a lot happening right now in this area. It's yeah. kind of cool. We're really glad to be here yeah. now uh, for that. <coughs> no, so, that's cool. That it's kind great. of a destination in itself. Yeah, you know? no, it's it's really expanding seeing it come up. I know, like, when it first opened, you guys were, the, you were like the first people here, right? In the yeah, Barlow. there were a couple of us when they first started to build out. But yeah, we were here from the beginning. Okay, no, very cool. Yeah, it was sort of a mutual dream. The developer needed tenants and we needed mm -hmm. a dream of a place. So it worked out really well yeah. for us way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and congratulations again for being distillery, best distillery in Sonoma County from the Bohemian. Thank yeah. you. Right? That was, that's yeah, it's really, uh, it's really flattering, mm -hmm. yeah. actually. Uh, and then, you know, the Bohemian's special because it really is voter base like yeah, this yeah. is totally just people out there mm -hmm. who took the time to go online and exactly click boxes and type in who they want no, and that's just you know it's so, a great so little local magazine you know yeah. it's cool it's uh i know my uh some buddies of mine uh, at dukes in hillsburg mm -hmm. won best bar and uh best bartender yeah I think is cappy, cappy. yeah cappy he's a good guy yeah <laughs> i've never yeah i used to manage bars back in the day well manage but Cappy was, he is running the show at Spoon Bar mm -hmm, at the of time, course. and he was doing a great job, and now it's fun to see where he's gone. So yeah, I know. That's cool. All those people, the whole crew over there, yeah. the people. Yeah, they are, 
lovely people. Yeah, yeah. We we like them a lot. I, yeah, I'm cool. looking forward to going to the Duke's Common now for their their staff meals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chef Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he does good stuff. Uh, I've been working with him and Nathan over at uh, Chalkboard. Yeah. I was working there, I was bartending there for a little bit, and then uh, they uh, moved over to Brass Rabbit and uh, been doing stuff over there now. Um, it's Duke's Common. I mean, we we talk a lot about these amazing places. We're so lucky yeah. here in Sonoma County. There yeah. uh, there is a huge variety of really amazing cocktail bars and people that re- uh, that respect that the art of the cocktail in that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the food out here is amazing and uh, pretty incredible. So, right. um, as you say, from here, all the things happening in Healdsburg that you're mentioning, that all the way down uh, to Marin is pretty, is pretty. We're very very lucky where yeah. we're at. Picking a place to build Spiritworks Distillery, I mean, we love the area itself, but um, it's a huge advantage for us to be in this area because people do really appreciate that high-end quality mm-hmm. cocktail food. they asking all the questions, where does it come from, who right. makes it, who owns it, like all these different things. But also, it's a huge draw for tourism here, mm-hmm. obviously. And the people that come here and the people that want to come to this distillery and visit visit our tasting, we have a tasting room, which is open five days a week. And so when people do come here, they, they already have an appreciation for tasting alcohol. I know that that sounds pretty yeah, normal no, exactly. because but we're so surrounded by it. Yeah. But we complement each other's industries really well yeah. in this area. So yeah. it works really well. Now, I'm, I remember like... Like I said, when I first came here, you guys were just aging your whiskey. It was still like just slow gin, gin, and vodka. Yeah. You were probably looking at some of the bottled and bond barrels back then. No, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, yeah, you guys just started that uh, program. But you guys are like on the forefront for like the California like laws in terms of distilleries and being able to sell out of your tasting room and stuff like that. Because I know it was very, it was different back then. And since then, laws have changed a lot. And I remember you guys had a big problem. Yeah, it was. We were really lucky. Uh, well, when we first started, it was a law that we couldn't sell or, mm-hmm. but we could do free tastings. And so then right. Timo actually became the president of the California Distillers Guild um, in 2015. Wow. And I did not know you that. You can talk I about that a little I bit more. I should do more, my but research more. But <laughs> 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 wow, that's awesome. Okay, continue. Sorry. No, no, that's. I mean, and then that's that was a lot of the the work that he did was to try to get the law changed so that so that distilleries, craft distilleries in California, could mm-hmm. actually be able to sell some of their spirits from their space. It's very flattering to say all those things, but really, I uh, I, I did go up to uh, Sacramento often and. Uh, Got involved in discussions on strategically how we could how we could get the law changed, but there are plenty of other people who did who were instrumental in making yeah. this change happen within the CADG, the California Distillers Guild. Right. Um, outside of the CADG as well, um, yeah. we worked with uh, some people up in Sacramento as well to make mm-hmm. that happen, and uh, and of course. Uh, Local support from from California Assembly members. Assembly member Mark Levine was very uh, strong supporter of ours during that time, and so very cool. yeah, we really uh, and it was, it was really, it's a it was really, really good, good law to pass in a lot of ways. But one was really for the consumers. You know, mm-hmm. as Timo was mentioning, this is a culture where people come to tasting rooms right. and they're very used to trying something, liking it, and then yeah. being able to at least take a bottle home with them. And so it was it was something where like we want to be able to offer this to people. How can right. we figure this out? And, no, definitely. You know, so it's, it's, I mean, it's funny because you can go to wineries and just buy cases upon cases, yeah. but you know, you can't. You can, 
buy a bottle. I mean, Spir- I, spirits yeah. are just viewed in a different way yeah, than yeah. wine and beer. No, it's just exactly. it's a very different perception mm-hmm. of spirits. And it's really tricky because I mean, the laws kind of almost it's almost like they they you know put a damper on the business itself because I mean I've visited so many distilleries across the nation and uh, one thing it's you know I'd visit hang out the distiller oh sweet where can I get a bottle and then I'd have to like drive around to a li- liquor store maybe one in the county that carries it yeah and because he's such you know so, so small batch and uh, it's one of those things too like having a rare whiskey or spirit on your shelf that's from another state is one of those things. It's very, it's very cool to yeah, have. Yeah. It's one of those things you, you bust out when the family's over or something like, hey, you got to try this whiskey. It comes from this small farm <laughs> in Florida, you know? And uh, it's really nah, it's, it's really hard because you, know, you can't get that all the time, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Now that laws are changing, it's going to be awesome. It's going to yeah. be cool. So. Yeah, so when that law changed, 2016, it did several things. As Ashby was saying, it gives the consumer way more, uh, way more choice as well and ability to complete an experience. And uh, obviously, it's a great boon for craft distilleries in the state of California because right. it's another revenue stream, which we're all struggling in our competition uh, with the larger manufacturers anyway. But one of the really interesting sides to it, and uh, it's the part that we, I think, enjoy the most really, is that um, obviously in the state of California, it's it's a three-tier system. Mm-hmm. And so our route to market means that whatever we manufacture here, we uh, sell to a distributor, and then that distributor then moves that product on to, right. to market. So for every single one of your products that you put out in market, it's quite a, uh, it's quite a lot of work to work with your distributor to accept that product, mm-hmm. register that product, uh, and then offer it. And then having to sell it individually out in market to retailers or bars before it gets to the final destination, which is the client, the Mm -hmm. customer at the end of the day. So changing the law to be able to sell out of here has meant that we have been able to do uh, really interesting experimental uh, batches (coughs) and offer them directly to the customer in mm-hmm. very small numbers, people that come and experience it here, we can teach them exactly what we've, or right. tell them exactly what we've done to mm-hmm. get that product into that bottle and to the, into their hands. And then they can walk out of here with a bottle of that. And mm-hmm. so us being able to experiment in that way has meant that we've made some, a couple of like really interesting liqueurs, some right. really interesting whiskeys that are beginning just now to come to fruition and things. Right. So it's really, really nice to do that. And you guys get a lot of your, you source a lot of your grain locally, right, if I recall? or Sure. So the, the base for almost all of our products is the California red winter wheat, and that's grown out of the Sacramento Valley. Oh, very cool. It's okay. organic red winter wheat. It's a beautiful mm. profile. And what you'll find is that the using the same base for our vodka, gin, slow gin, and then the wheat whiskey is also made from this grain. There's mm. a really beautiful sort of theme within our own spirits as well. Which is a which is a palate sort of rec- thing you can recognize with your palate, and then also there's a sweetness that runs through them, which is which is really nice to oh, see. That is cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, now, okay, I, I gotta ask. Okay, so the aging process. Okay, I know you guys do it in barrel, right? Can you maybe? Well, first off, talk about like your aging process. Let's go into that. You know, mash bill stuff like that for your wheat whiskey, and then that's. Yeah, I want to know more about that in terms of the time frame and everything like that as well. So, 
our production of whiskey is pretty straightforward in terms, right. as with everything else, we receive whole grain here. Okay. And then we mill, uh, mash, and ferment everything in this space here right next to us. And then use the still to strip that alcohol out and to clean it. That whole process generally takes about a week from start to finish to, to end up with a distillate of, mm -hmm. the, of the whiskeys. That whiskey we put into, uh, into barrel. And the type of barrels that we use here pretty much across the board are it's American White Oak, Quercus okay. Alba. And they're full-size barrels as well, 53-gallon full-size oh, okay. barrels. And they are generally a full char, so char four mm -hmm. uh, or thereabouts. We are also using barrels now that are pre-toasted and then charred as well. Okay. Um, so... Uh, they go into barrel, and the style of whiskey that we always wanted to make were straight whiskeys. Mm -hmm. There is a obscure law in California that says, in the state of California, you can't sell a whiskey that's less than three years old. Okay. Unless it's a straight whiskey. Right, okay. Which is a two-year-old whiskey. Interesting, okay, yeah. It's really an interesting law because I've never, ever heard it being enforced mm -hmm. anywhere. Yeah. The law is literally you can't sell whiskey. Mm -hmm. So it was for us, we wanted to make sure that whatever we did was following the letter of the law. So cool. we aimed for a straight whiskey. And that's also for a consumer. The word straight yeah. represents the exact amount of time that they know it's been in a barrel. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a minimum of two years. So okay. that's what we aim for. So maturation happened in those barrels for two years. For us, we expanded our space. We have a pretty sizable space behind the distillery here uh, as part of, part of the distillery, which is our barrel room. Right. And uh, we rest our barrels in there. We cool. don't temperature control it. We don't do anything with nice. it. It's, it works. Sebastopol is, we have that coastal fog that comes in uh, in the mornings in the summer and, uh, and it gets pretty hot here during the day in the summer. So. Uh -huh. Uh, and then in the winter, it gets it gets chilly. I mean, right. I mean, it's not like the rest of the country, yeah. but <laughs> no, exactly. it gets a little chilly. It's Definitely. March, and I'm sitting here yeah. kind of in a t-shirt, yeah, so exactly. no. it's not too bad. It's cool. It's yeah, it's great weather. It's like California can't beat it. Yeah, um, kind of spoiled here. But uh, I was walking around the barrel room, and I noticed the iPods on the barrels. Yeah. Now I've I've heard a few things about this, but I had I gotta know what's. Uh, so back in the day, we really we really wanted to experiment because right. we can. We're a craft distillery, and so there's so much you know there's so much that goes behind the action that goes on inside of a barrel between the whiskey mm -hmm. and the wood, and we thought maybe we could excite that mm -hmm. somehow. And one way to that we thought would be a good idea is to play music to it so that right. it was really literally like you know shaking the liquid around a little bit, which mm -hmm. then helps it like interact with the wood and maybe. Yeah. You know, we just thought no, we would no, see what happens. Yeah, the different vibrations. Maybe. And um, so it's been a really fun experiment. And we've re we released two of these barrels. So the barrels back there that you saw each have an iPad, iPod. Each of them are two, um, one batch of whiskey, which happens to create two barrels. So one is listening to music and one is the control. So it's okay. the exact same batch. Very cool. And then from there, we went ahead and attached speakers to them. And... Timo and I picked the first two um, that we first two types of music, and one was the Nutcracker, and one was Bluegrass Band Devil Makes Three. Okay. And then um, now there's a bunch more back there. As staff have been with us, they they get to pick their music style okay. and barrel. So there's like a Prince Michael Jackson barrel back there. Okay. Are you gonna put that on the label? Like this is the hip hop release. <laughs> this is. So the we do, we we do we actually have a um, neck tag that says what style. Of oh, music. very cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think there are copyright. 
things to actually putting the name of the yeah, band. The TTB night might not be okay with that. TTB is probably fine with it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say that the band's probably yeah, aren't true. Uh, without prior permission. Yeah, that would be kind of cool, though. It actually. would be kind of cool. Get a band on board. So the band might think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The band managers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, um, we we just wanted to. Uh, it's a bit of fun, and so we yeah, didn't. We, absolutely. Uh, we want again. We could do that out of the tasting room because mm-hmm. going through a distributor, it kind of loses the story along the way. Whereas here, we could talk about it directly. Yeah. So there is some science behind the idea of agitating the liquid. We use sound waves for that. Um, the, the, you know, the science side of it. It is a bit of fun in the grand scheme of things, but the, the science behind it is kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Sound. See, <laughs> see what I did there. Um, and there, there are. Uh, I have heard of other instances of other other distilleries that try and get the liquid inside a barrel to move around in different ways. I've heard of people uh, maturing their whiskey on the back of a container ship, for example, because yeah. it's just constantly moving um, underwater. I've heard of that too, um, and so. Uh, it was just a fun way of doing mm-hmm. it. And at first we thought we were just going to do one barrel. Right. But then we kind of each picked a different style of music. And so we just thought, well, let's do that. And then staff added more and more. And uh, it's been really interesting how doing something like that with a whiskey really resonates, re- pun intended. <laughs> it really resonates with uh, people that come and visit the distillery as well. Right. There's, a, there's a real interest in what style of music and right. uh, why you picked that and does it have any effect? Everyone's always very, very super curious. Yeah. And we have um, we have a spirits club here. It's a, a pickup only spirits club, so that's quarterly. And for those pickups, we often sometimes will release some of the barrels and we'll do like a full, um, we did a full tasting when we released the first two that came out. So uh-huh. they had four spirits in front of them. One was music, one was the Nutcracker, one was Double Makes Three, and then those two controls to do a blind tasting. Yeah. And it's fun to do just kind of those, yeah. uh, those things for... Um, members are, that are around, and then we still do tastings for them sometimes in the in the actual t- um, tasting room. And the ne- another couple of barrels will come out soon. Yeah, okay. it was pretty cool. That is no. Um, okay, now the bottled and bond. Now that that see, this is straight rye. Now let's explain to the viewers what it means to be bottled and bond. Like yeah, so bottled and bond is this what I think is a very cool definition, which created back in the day when the and when the TTB finally ended up um, putting this in place was really about quality mm-hmm. and consistency. And so what they're looking for is that you have, uh, yeah. of course, you please, please pour some. I'll have some, yeah. Um, I'm okay, thank you. And so you're looking for you. wow, something that has been hey, I used to bartend. barreled for four years, has been bottled at 100 proof, has been distilled in the exact same distillery by the same distiller in the same season. So this was distilled by me in December of 2013, back in the day. Right. And now we get to try it. Um, And then also you have to represent on your label a lot of those specific factors that they're putting into it. Yeah. So yeah, it's something, now it's an interesting turn in that I almost see it as a way for 
craft to show their quality because right. the big guys can't achieve the type of you know saying that it has to be one distiller in one season from one place all of this sort of stuff it means cool. that it's actually humans involved yeah no, you know that's, and that's that, really neat. that's really representative of what we want to present to our customers it's like yeah this is totally hands-on and the other thing is that there's no additions or subtractions so you asked yeah. about our aging process before mm -hmm. and we absolutely have never used caramel coloring or state or okay. you know wood chips or anything like that we're always 100 percent full-size 53 gallon charred barrels so to sum it up bottle and bond means like no lies like no bs yeah exactly that's, that's, that's pretty cool and and it, it tries to get there for yeah. sure yeah it's a good step in that direction no no and uh, for us as a craft distillery it's a huge achievement for right. us it means that we made a whiskey four years ago and we sat on it in barrel for all this time and uh have finally been able to put it out in this way so it's a huge achievement for us to get to that to that stage quite heavenly we're it pretty really proud. thank pretty, you pretty awesome yeah i mean it sits at 100 proof which is nice as well yeah. like it's very it's spirit forward in that way and so yeah, yeah our, our normal whiskeys we put out at, at 90 and so this is a little bump up but right. then we also sometimes put out some cast strength so those are obviously a little higher i like the i like the 100 proof i think it's a really nice place for this whiskey it still really allows you to have the right nose and that that palate at the end. I get hints of like coffee and then toasted coconut in the middle, and yeah. the end I find just very very smooth. Yeah, I know it's very clean. I like it. Um, I've had your, I mean, I've had your whole lineup, but uh, the the wheat I love because it's it's very light. It was lighter to me. It's kind yeah. of like. That's easy drinking. Like that's cool. This yeah, yeah. This it's is, very approachable. Yeah, we say. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. the fun of being uh, fun, and part of the reason we do the grain to glass is exactly that's why we make a wheat. We make a rye vodka or rye. Mm -hmm. Well, we do both. We mm -hmm. <laughs> make a rye wheat and rye um, whiskey as well, because just like bread. Wheat is really sweet and approachable, and rye right. bread is is kind of like, all right, I'm diving in. Like yeah. th this is going to be kind of intense, but also super good. Uh -huh. And so that variety really respect, like literally, our mash bills for the wheat and rye whiskey come down to that they have different grains, of course, but uh -huh. then the mashing process, the actual yeast that we use, the fermentation, the aging, all of it's the same. So it's just showing you the difference between those grains. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it works uh, really well. Like when we we knew we were going to make a wheat whiskey because the source of our wheat was so awesome for the rest of our products. So that was a that was a no brainer. Also, it was the first product we learned to distill way back mm -hmm. in the day. The vodka. You started was, with the vodka. Uh, no, I mean literally, oh, it was a wheat whiskey. whiskey. It was oh, okay. the first thing we distilled. Okay. Back, like way back in the day, and so That's cool. uh, so that was good. But rye whiskey. This fascination with American traditional style of whiskey and bourbon, of course, uh, high up there. We make a bourbon; it's not uh, it won't be ready yet for another at least another year or so. Okay. Yeah. What's your mash bill on that? On the bourbon? Yeah. We actually make three different types of bourbon. Okay. Just uh, because it, we had to, or we have three different types, just because at the beginning we were doing experiments with different mm -hmm. uh, mash bills in different directions that we want to go. So. Of course, mostly corn, but yeah. then uh, we have a wheated bourbon and we have a rye bourbon uh, okay. as well. So we we like the direction that both were going in. Uh, however long ago, when we first started, you know, after they'd been in barrel for a year, we were we kind of liked 
how they were both working out. And we thought at that point we would pick one that production would stick with. But uh, it was hard to make the decision, so we just carried on making both. And I'm glad we have, because they're both beautiful, beautiful examples of what a bourbon can be. We're pretty proud of it in, the, in where it's at right now, so we can't wait to see what it's going to be like uh, next year sometime. No, very cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty thrilling. But having said that about bourbons, uh, going back to rye, uh, rye is such a traditional style of whiskey in America, and it's so, I don't know, for me, it's uh, as someone who's not from here, and uh, when I came back to the States many, many years ago, rye was very authentic mm -hmm. as an American-style uh, drinker. So, and we always knew we were going to be making rye and plenty of it in this space. That's awesome. No, yeah, we're pretty, uh, we're pretty pleased with how it's worked out. So, I mean, this is, is kind of an interesting question. Like, so when you guys set off to start a distillery, like, what's your exit strategy? Or do you guys just want to grow, stay a craft brand, or do you maybe hope to get bought by, you know, Jack Daniels. I don't know. It's just, it's funny because it's like, you think about this, like a brewery, for instance, 101 North that yeah. was recently, um, or was it, I'm sorry, somebody got bought up. I believe it was 101 North. I don't know. Don't quote me on this. People are going to get, I mean, the comments like are going to be interesting. Things like that happen all the time. But yeah, no, they, yeah, they get bought up and yeah. then like, okay, what are you going to do now? And then to the head brewer, what are you going to do now? Well, I'm going to, brew beer because that's what I love doing you know so it's like that's the thing normally like when you start a business your goal is to how can you sell that business in the end you know? yeah so well, it's like I mean to us a lot of people refer to them like as hobby distilleries or yeah. something and that was absolutely not yeah. what I mean we Timo and I are very hands-on we're very uh, physical people and to we wanted to create a company yeah that we own, that we love, that we're proud of. Right. And that was the end game to us. Okay. You know, Very it was cool. it really, we were like, we see this, we, we were, you know, both coming into it in late thirty, late 30s, early 40s. And like, we, this is, yeah. we got many, many years left in us to yeah. keep this business going. And yeah. we're really happy with it that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think Endgame from a business point of view is really interesting. As a craft distillery, we still consider ourselves to be very nascent. I mean, we are newbies here still. Mm -hmm. We've been distilling this in this, this summer. We'll, we will have had product out in market for five years. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like a long time. It feels like a long time. But it's it's yeah. very short time in the grand scheme of things for a, for a business like this. So we're still working on getting to a place, uh, getting to that place that we wanted to arrive at, right. uh, that we thought we'd get to within a year kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, we're still working hard on our sales. We're still yeah. working hard on our uh, brand out in market. We, uh, we're pretty proud. We just got awarded the uh, essentially best in show for branding and packaging at uh, the ADI, at the okay. American Distilling Institute. Uh, that just happened yeah, yeah. Uh, this week. How and was so, that? How was that, that conference? It was, get... it was good. Yeah? I had 2,300 attendees. Wow. Showed up to it this year. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, it's a great representation of, you know, it's such a good place for small craft distilleries to really get to know each other and have yeah. those conversations that you just won't have no, definitely. anywhere else, you know, being all over, from all over the world, or all over the state, the U.S., I guess, most of them are. Yeah, no. I, uh, I had the, the chance to attend last year in Baltimore. It was, it was fun. a great time, yeah, it was. I even... Uh, 
I even attended their, uh, the ADI's, the tasting, or the, the judging, I guess. Uh-huh. They, they had that. Yeah. And Lauren was there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was there. She's one of the judges. Yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah so yeah. Lauren is our head distiller. Yeah. Of course, she joined us at the beginning as right. well. Right. Um, actually, in the tasting room. She managed the tasting room, but she made herself pretty invaluable in production during that time as well, which was apparently always her intention. Right. And uh, Ashby was our head distiller, of course, right at the beginning. And so she started apprenticing okay. uh, under Ashby. And then... And about a year and a half ago, we asked her to be our production manager because she's kind of that way of thinking. And her her skills uh, at the still are pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she'd been distilling in her own right in this space right. for a while by then. She's and then in January, she was made head distiller. Right on. And uh, Ashby has moved more into... January 2017. 17. Very uh, cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm way off. So I'm like, this is two years ago that happened. <laughs> okay, and so he became head distiller, and so for the past year, um, mm-hmm. it's meant that Ashby's been able to focus a lot more on our brand and right. PR, which has obviously paid off. We just won an award for it. Right on. Uh, at ADI, yeah, okay. that award. So yeah, uh, that's all Ashby's win? work. So what was like the scape of things? I yeah. think we won three medals. So for we won spirits. three medals for spirits. Um, we had submitted our rye whiskey finished in sherry barrels. And then um, we submitted our barrel gin and our barrel reserve slow gin, and those all won medals. And then, um, okay, um, and then we won we won one medal for packaging, okay, which was called back best back bottle on the back bar or something for this bottle. Okay, well, which is inter- one. <laughs> yeah, we only made one. It's a rye. It's a rye vodka. Most of all our vodka is made with wheat. Okay, but it's interesting because this label is very similar, of course, to every other label right. that we make. It's I the think they got style. really into the side thing. Yeah, we also. Oh, yeah, that is right. It was a specialized project as well, and so we differentiated it in that way. But then, but uh, then we then they have an excellence in packaging, and that one um, we won as a brand for brand identity. Okay, which was great as the. That was really great for us. And so that, that's what I'm saying. That was Ashby's work. But then Lauren, of course, being head distiller for, here for a while and distilling in her own right, she's been judging at ADI now for a couple of years, which has been uh, really good. And actually, this year she was she did uh, a few things. She was teaching a gin workshop up there. Oh, and, nice. Okay. And doing the gin summit. Yeah, the gin so, summit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's great. And... Uh, she now has her own apprentice, her apprentice as well, a guy called Schaefer, who's here, okay. who's awesome as well. That way of thinking, it's yeah. very, it's a very. Sp- and he's uh, he's one of the rare dudes that work here, right? <laughs> rare, I mean, we, are, are we, we rarely let them in. I mean, you know, exactly. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's a mostly predominant female staff, and that's that's refreshing to see, especially in the distilling world. It's very. Uh, you know, male-driven yeah. guys in And we, we by absolutely no yeah. means, like, purposely yeah, did this. Yeah, no, no, exactly. You know what I mean? I but, it. yeah, we just hire the right people. I and, mean, you know. Absolutely. I mean, guys like me want to come taste here. You know, And like, we're hey. so small. We're, we're, we have five or six staff right now, and that's just you know, right. so important, the people that you work with. And, yeah. You know, we all mesh, work hard. There's so few of us. We all represent a huge part of the work that we do for the, for the company. Yeah. Yeah. As I should be saying, everyone that we've ever hired here, we've hired because they're right for the job. Right. And uh, it just so happens that that's been the, the breakdown in terms of demographic that, mm-hmm. uh, of people who have who wanted to work with us as well. Like it's 
Uh, it's interesting that dynamic of who approaches us right. uh, when you open up a position at them. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it's how it's worked out, and uh, and it just so happens that therefore our production team has always been female female run actually mm -hmm. or female strong, and so and and it is unusual. You're right, and so people tend to point that out a fair it's amount. Unusual, yeah. The, but growing more and more these days, you yeah. know, there's more, there's more and more women for sure in the industry and even distillers. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a lot of it is that this, this industry is completely open to mm -hmm. women being, having the same skills as men in right. this industry, which is nice. So it, I feel like it's actually really welcoming in that there isn't like a preemptive sort of bias or anything that mm -hmm. any man would have right. approaching our spirits. Like they expect it to be as good as anything, if not better. Right. So when you guys, when you first started distilling, I gotta, I gotta ask this because, you know, people who start off to distill, like say you're a brewer, right? Mm -hmm. You make beers, you can homebrew. You can start off doing that. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to make wine and then like, wow, I make some pretty good stuff on my own. Maybe I should open a winery. Now you can't really distill or did you guys do that? Like, did you guys distill? We honestly didn't. No, you learned um, from that. We were so, by the time we had like, decided that this is what we wanted to do. We were so concerned about doing it properly mm -hmm. that messing up by doing something like that, mm -hmm. um, it, which is actually legal, was not an interest. I mean, it's ours. a felony to distill at home. Yeah. So it was, literally, no. We, we, that's why we were going around to so many distilleries and going to classes and doing everything that we could because right. we also understood that the translation between a quality product that goes out to market versus something that you may have created in your basement is going to be very different. Right, right. And we really wanted something that was going to be out in market and re well represented and uh, respected. We were able to experiment a lot with fermentation. Okay. Actually. So right. we built a uh, little homebrew space mm -hmm. uh, in our basement and uh, and Ashby experimented a lot with different fermentations and uh, made a bunch of homebrews at home. And that side of things was really, really helpful to understand fermentation results as well through that process. And it's funny, it's funny because we did have a lot of we had density meters back in the day and like all these, like we were able to learn a lot about uh, bricks readings and um, how to do certain things in the lab before we ended up even going, visiting our first distillery even. And so doing that side of it was, was very, very useful right. to us. And we also did a lot of slow gin development, development. so not yeah. necessarily the distillation, but how much berries to use per bottle, different pressing processes, different um, types of sweetener that we could add. And so there's, there was a lot of work that we could do that wasn't directly right. to do with distillation. Yeah. And then um, when, once we had our space and everything was in place, I think it, it was, I know, it was our 26th recipe of gin that was actually what we decided to move forward with. So that means 26 full mashes, that, distillations, actually. everything to get that. to the point for the right gin. So um, we by no means started here and then just put something out the door. We had the right. time to really... No, I remember you guys talking about that when I was, when I was here years ago. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, if I recall, you're, there's, uh, you guys do use fresh lemon peel, stuff like that as well. Yeah, some of it. <laughs> yeah, a little, there's some hand zesting that goes into our, uh, into our gin process. And, you know, it only takes like an hour, so it's not, it's not the end of the world. What we found is that red winter wheat, which makes our vodka so beautiful and so round, uh-huh. that um, we really wanted a bright gin. And so we were just looking at different ways to brighten that spirit, and the citrus really came through when you hand yep. zest it. And it's fresh, and it makes the whole distillery smell delicious. That's awesome. Can I try the rye, rye vodka? Of course, please. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I've uh, yet to see this limited release. And then... Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a very good example mm-hmm. of a product that uh, we can make a limited run of and uh, just put it out in the tasting room. To okay. That sticker around the neck, it says tasting room exclusive because it's just out of this space. Uh, so it doesn't go to our distributor. It doesn't go uh, out in market. In that way, <laughs> but uh, okay. The reason why we made it as well is everything here is uh, is a process for us. So, for example, the normal vodka that we make is a wheat vodka, and the reason why we make wheat vodka is because we want to create a base for our gin. We're grain to glass, which means we we mm-hmm. don't buy any alcohol, so we make our own alcohol here. So, uh, we make the vodka out of wheat. That's the base for our gin. We make the gin. The gin can either be bottle or whatever and so uh, wheat is the general base but there is a product we may make uh, down the line uh, called an aquavit Aquavit. yeah yeah it's a clear fruit brandy uh actually uh it's not a brandy it's uh it's it's grain based and they often use rye as a base for an aquavit Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. It's kind of made the in the same of way. Of a, has dill or caraway as a predominant flavor. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm, com- I'm yeah. confusing that. They make it in a similar way that they're going to make gin. And okay. uh, as Ashby says, uh, ca- there's always caraway in there, mm-hmm. dill sometimes, and uh, what and a whole variety. There's, just like gin, there's a million ways of uh, right. making it. Uh, people will argue, depending whether they're from Sweden, Norway, Denmark, yeah. you know, depending where they're from, as to the right way of making aquavit. Yeah. But um, in order to make it, we thought we would... Uh, Lauren is very keen on this project as well, and she was uh, very keen to make a rye base, to use rye as the base for an aquavit. That's why we made it. Yeah. And uh, It's crazy good. That's really thank good you. vodka. And, yeah. thank and what's also fun, this whole really grain-to-glass thing, is then you can try our wheat vodka right next to our rye vodka. Yeah. And be like, oh, now, again, just like our wheat and rye, it's the same yeast, the, the same fermentation process, same yeah, distillation. It just, this, is the, this is the original? He's yeah. doing it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so all you're dealing with is the difference in the grain. And that just makes such a beautiful, beautiful difference to really be able to compare those two. No. I love that. I love that part of it for our tasting room, to have those, the wheat and the rye vodka and the wheat and the rye whiskey. We're very lucky. I mean, very lucky. This is how we designed it, but we're very fortunate, well, I should say. We were thinking about it um, back. To have this beautiful 21-plate rectification column. Right. So that's what allows us to make this whiskey as clean as you're tasting it right now. Uh, every space that we went into back in the day, we'd come in with one of those laser measuring things. we put it on the floor, yeah. <laughs> measure the roof, and we're like... Nope, won't fit. <laughs> just leave until we found this spot. It's just that column is 26 foot high off the ground, and wow. the top of the roof right there is 29 foot. So it's pretty close. That's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, tasting the two vodkas, I said yes. The the so this one is 
the wheat. That's wheat. That's and then the other one, yeah, then 100% this guy, rye. And this guy's rye. No, the rye, I love the body on the rye. It's way, uh, there's so much more body happening. More, it's more round, very soft. And then this one's definitely more your clean, almost, uh, I don't want to say stereotypical, but it's, uh, again, it's still body there. It's great. Yeah, vodka, again, you're it's tasting sweet. them out of context. Mm -hmm. uh, if you put them... Uh, next to some other vodka, a, bit, a few yeah, more, exactly. what you would consider to be commercial vodkas in right. some way. Uh, they definitely have a lot more character, mm -hmm. which isn't, it's different things that people are searching for in different ways, right? Some people want it to be absolutely neutral and clean. Right. And uh, that's what they're looking for. Yeah, and TTB And there are some is, great examples of that is out neutral, there as well. It's neutral, right? Like, what is TTB's de definition of vodka? It's just a colorless, flavorless... And distilled to 190 yeah. proof. Yeah, distilled and super high. And yeah, that's for and so we distill it super high, yeah. and uh, that's where. And there is always going to be some flavor in the background. And for us, we like that character. We right. like that body and uh, that character in the background. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Um, anything else you guys want to add about your spot here? I mean. I mean, I'm going to plug you guys. Hey, come to Spirit Works. It's a great we spot. We got a tasting room. A tasting room. You can see people back there tasting right yeah, now. Yeah, they're, they're going at it already. I have to go get model releases. You know, we have <laughs> 15 minutes past, past 11. Right. That's, that's important. No, but uh, that. Uh, no, but I mean, we really appreciate you guys coming in. No, and, definitely. And taking the time. And yeah, we're, we're here. We're going strong. We're not going anywhere. Yeah, we're very proud of what we've built here and the, and where we're at in the space that we have. Um, it's really important. We're a very small team of people and we are very fortunate because we, the company is nothing but the team within it and mm -hmm. the everyone we have working at Spiritworks right now uh, is uh, pretty amazing yeah. in their own right and, uh, and respected in their own right and what they do as well. And so uh, we're very lucky in that way. I have to give a big shout out to all of them. Uh, we are visitor friendly as a space, so I would urge people to come and see us. Our tasting room is a uh, uh, very knowledgeable folk in the tasting room who, um, and you can see the tasting room looks out over the space as well. Right. So there's a lot of access to us uh, in this space. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our, our whole philosophy was about. It's all about transparency. And so having this tasting room to see writing production, mm -hmm. doing everything from going to grain to glass, it's all about this is exactly who we are and what we do. Very cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'll be back to taste the Michael Jackson whiskey. Awesome. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> cool. It's, totally funny. it's funny how people are like, I want to taste that yeah. barrel. Like, yeah, exactly. put me on your newsletter for that barrel. Definitely. No, this is um, fun. It's, it's cool. It's funny. Well, great. Well, cheers. Thanks, yeah. guys. Cheers. Cheers, dude. Thank Definitely. you, man. This has been Life Distilled. Join us again next time as we bring you more from the world of craft spirits and small batch lifestyle. Until then, be sure to visit us at microshiner.com 